You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Steve Smith made runs, Joffre Archer took wickets, sound familiar. It was a gorgeous day at the Oval, sun shining all over, and it was near perfect for England. No, they didn't get to 300 in the morning, but that didn't really matter in the end. Archer was brilliant, taking 6 for 62, as Australia were bowled out for 225. Smith, forever relentless, past 50 once again, as he has done all series. Although he did eventually fall for 80, his lowest score of the series. Rory Burns... And Joe Denley survived just to get England to nine for none at the end of the day. England hold the lead of 78. Welcome to the Wisden Ashes Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Tar Hashim, joined by Wisden Cricket Monthly's Editor-in-Chief, Phil Walker. Phil, let's first talk about the main men. Archer didn't look his best at Old Trafford, but he was great today. Yeah, the less said about Old Trafford, the better, because that was peculiar, wasn't it, when... Australia were 20 for two on that first morning under leaden skies and, and he couldn't crank it up. But then we do have this awful tendency to throw far too much too soon at, at these, these great young talents in all sports. It's a disease of English sporting culture. Uh, so we'll park that and we'll instead consider what he's done in London this summer. Six, well, five wickets at Lords uh, and six today, six for 60 odd um, on on a pitch that everybody thought was pretty flat. Uh, the general consensus, understandably, after day one, was that England had left a lot out there to end up 270 for eight. And what was it, 294 This all out this morning? Most people thought that's 50 to 100 shy. Uh, well, Jofra just laid waste to that kind of conventional thought again. Um, and in fairness, you know, the ball did move for England. It wasn't just Jofra today, it was also Sam Curran. And if anybody had really kicked the door down today... Uh, in that middle order uh, where, where Australia have been fallible all summer then it was really Sam Curran I think I don't think you can really separate the two Curran took three for uh, Archer took six for uh, but they both had an equal effect today um, and with Curran he he sometimes looks quite innocuous with that left arm in don't swing don't fall into this trap <laughs> don't then, fall into the no, trap no no I will say that the fact that he always continuously pitches it up he's always going to invite errors and yeah, yeah. I, th- I, th- I think that's a very good point, though, that you make because he was driven by Labashain early in the piece in his second over, maybe, and it was a long half volley. Uh, now, all right, 
I've been in good form this year, but I genu- I thought I'd have, I'd have just creamed that <laughs> through the covers. And it's, it, you know, it's, it's 78 to 80 mile an hour often, and especially when he does really pitch it up like that. But then three or four balls later, very similar delivery to Labuschagne, and he skews it to, to third slip, and it's just short, or just wide of third slip, uh, ran away for four. So while you push, the, you push the, the, the line all the time if you're Sam Curran. Uh, he's not a bowler who's going to bowl dry. Uh, he's not a bowler who's going to bowl a boring length. He's not that kind of cricketer. You saw him with the bat when he came out on day one and slapped his third ball for six over with two men back for the hook. He's, he's a thriller of a cricketer. Uh, and so he's going to go the distance from time to time because he's always trying to move the game along. Uh, Gareth Batty said to me two years ago, he always has a say. In every single cricket game he plays, he always has his say. The only game one can think of where he, he hasn't in England colours was the game that he played in the West Indies, where conditions were completely uh, antithetical to what, what kind of qualities he offers. That's the only time when he's played for England where it's been uh, a non-event. He always, always has a say in the outcome of a game of cricket and we've seen it today you described him in your piece as mysteriously brilliant a week or two ago with the the ongoing question that many are asking what is Sam Curran what is he well I think we need to park that question and just appreciate what we've got here as you rightly wrote in your piece he should bat seven he should be uh, an impact player at seven and a fifth a fifth bowler uh, and then you ha- you're talking about a real game changer of a cricketer because he gets things going without a doubt in all conditions bar Barbados or Antigua wherever, Antigua I think it was uh, in England where it always does a little bit he's always going to have a chance and it was interesting to see him today alright Wokes got Smith in the end when he missed a straight one I mean chalk that one up he missed a straight one on 80 but it was Curran who inconvenienced him throughout the day and that speaks for itself Cheeky plug for my piece there. Thanks very much. No problem. It was good. Um, You've got potential. (laughs) It's got to hang in there, mate. (laughs) And I mean, if anyone was going to get a hat trick, I I, I just had the feeling because of Corrin and the way he, when when you watch him, you deal with the intangibles. He is, something happens. So you felt he was going to get that hat trick today. Uh, Alas, it didn't come. Um, Yeah, you're right. You're right. He does have that kind of stardust. You've seen the way that he bats. Uh, he made a, a 60-odd in Sri Lanka when England were in trouble. I think it was at Palakeli, second test match. He hit six sixes in, a, in his 60. He became the first man in history to bring up his first three 50s in test cricket with a six. First man ever to do it. He was man of the series in his first full series against India last summer. Uh, it does beg the question, where has he been? Where has he been this summer? And we're, not, we're, we're, we're being wise after the event up to a point. But we've seen that the ball has deviated uh, in the air and from time to time off the pitch throughout the summer. Um, if sometimes punters and pundits are guilty of underestimating him, then maybe Joe Root and Trevor Bayliss have as well. Even Trouble Smith, believe it or not, Smith um, did offer a chance at first slip to Joe Root and put him down. Smith did what Smith does. He, yeah, but, he, but what's, what's happened here, Smith... Smith gets 35 to 40% of Australia's runs every time he bats, but he only got 80. So they only got 220-odd. Smith normally gets 150 at least, which means that they get, you know, 350 at least. 
But because Smith bummed out for 80-odd, suddenly Australia, out of nowhere really, are behind the eight ball. Um, England are, what What did you say, 78 ahead, I think? Yes, they, they, they survived a, a dirty, naughty session this evening where Cummins was far too fast again. It's, it's a different experience watching it live, and I don't want to kind of sound smug to our listeners here any more than normal, but when you are sort of pitch side and you see the quicks, the real quicks, go, go at these batsmen with a new pill, it is truly terrifying. Um, and standing sitting behind the batsman with Cummins running down from the pavilion end uh, towards the Vauxhall end where we're sat, sat in the press box. It was chilling and thrilling and terrifying all at once. Um, Denley should have gone, you know, steered one straight to, to gully. I think it was Marcus Harris, I think, in there, at the sort of second gully. Easy catch, really. Uh, grasped that one. Uh, Burns' last ball of the day overturned. He's very good at overturning LBW decisions, by the way, Burns. He's very cool at that. Uh, didn't even consult for a second, overturned that, that, that decision that went initially against him but then came round. It was England's day from very inauspicious beginnings, uh, and they will be mildly surprised to be ahead of the game. Uh, tomorrow looms large. I mean, the sun will be out. They've got 10, ten second innings wickets in hand. And they've got a lead of 70, which they never in a million years would have expected at the start of the day. In those, in those last few overs, I mean, you talk about the feeling in the crowd watching those quicks. You also get a feeling about how things are going to pan sometimes. Just the way the, the Australian innings ended with, with Archer rampant. And then following that, you, for all of Joe Denley's troubles, um, and while Rory Burns has been excellent, you, you know Pat Cummins is going to you know seriously test you with those, sure. with those few overs. You, there was a sense that they weren't going to get out. It's, Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I absolutely know what you mean. And, when, and, and it's, it's the rhythms and, and momentum, mini momentums within, within a game of cricket. It also, this game has clarified just how fallible these two teams are, I think. Australia would have been desperate to have turned up here and put on a show. They dropped three catch. They dropped the England captain three times in about half an hour on the first morning. They made a peculiar decision at the toss. They didn't bowl badly yesterday, but they weren't inspired at all. They batted indifferently today. Even Smith didn't bat especially well, considering what kind of plane he's working on. Uh, and then they dropped a catch in the last 20 minutes of the day as well. Uh, it shows just how how vulnerable these two teams are. Yeah. Uh, and when Australia were looking to make a big statement, they've come up a little bit short in this game, just as when England, after the Stokes miracle of Henningley, were looking to make a statement at Old Trafford, they stunk the place out. It sums up both of these teams. It's little wonder that they are, let's be honest, they are middling test match teams in the world. And, and I know it was England's day, but it did the day did sort of bottle up the series in a way. You know, you had yeah. Smith make runs, Archie Wiggins, but also... David Border got out cheaply, sort of the, the patterns of the day, it kind of, it, it yeah. showed that because Lab- Labuschagne got runs again, but didn't get that many runs. And, and also, it kind of it also, it's worth saying, you know, a thoroughly enjoyable day's cricket, um, slightly ramshackle, um, slightly mistake laden, uh, but with some moments of great class in there as well. Uh, and, and England, as I say, have sort of accidentally stumbled into the ascendancy here. I don't think, I don't think anyone really saw that coming. Uh, and and it, tomorrow tomorrow becomes a very interesting day. I think what will happen with this game is that the next two days we'll see an uh, an upshot of intensity 
or an upsurge rather of intensity because it's been a peculiar atmosphere here at the Oval the first two days. There's been, for all the talk that the series is still alive, that it's a 2-2 scrap potentially for England to aim for and that Australia don't want to go away having just merely retained the Ashes, they want to win the Ashes. I get that. I get all, all of that. But when push comes to shove, there is a lack of jeopardy in this game and there is a lack of edginess in the crowd as a consequence and the players I think first it's worth pointing out they are out on their feet these boys Uh, and I'm not saying that we should get the violins out and feel sorry for them at all but we are asking these players to perform at a ridiculously high intensive level day after day and we are what mid-September of one of the longest summers and most high octane summers with an extraordinary drain of emotion as well as physicality uh, over the last few months. And it builds up and it builds up and you're asking them to go again. I think what you'll see over the next two days uh, is the last, the last knackered hurrah by these two punch-drunk teams. Uh, and while you would think England are definitely in the box seat, I can easily see Cummins just coming out tomorrow morning and just having one last day out in English conditions to confirm yet again that he is, he is uh, on a different level, really, to everybody else. So we're on for a, a tired goodbye. Yeah, uh, which is maybe just me projecting. <laughs> I don't know. But, yeah, I don't think this game will, will fizzle out. I think that they will kind of gird their loins, these two teams. And I think it will be two very, very good days cricket. I can't see the game going much further into Monday um, and, and, and a fifth day. But you never know. We shall see. How do you see it, anyway? Oh. Well, I'm, I'm down to, to work here on day five, so I'm, I'm hoping they, <laughs> they, can, they can still you know, hold on for that. That's all I'm hoping for, really. And, and do you think 2-2 would be a fair call, or do you think it would be harsh on Australia if England were to, to nick this last one? I think just for the fact that it's mainly been Smith that's performed in terms of the Aussie batters, I think Labuschagne's been brilliant, but it has just been Smith, I think 2-2 is a, is a pretty fair call. I think that's, I think that's a reasonable shout. Um, Obviously, Warner's, Warner made 61, I think, in the first Test match and has, has made pretty much literally nothing yeah. either side of it. I think something like eight single-figure scores or something like that. Yeah, yeah, extraordinary. Marcus Harris doesn't really look like a Test match opener, certainly not against England's new ball attack. You're right. You know, four of the seven, four of the top seven have not really delivered at all and arguably four and a half of the top seven have not really delivered at all. So while Australia's pace attack and Smith are true champions... It's a peculiarly lopsided team. Uh, and so if it, if it does end up as 2-2, then they'll be kicking themselves. But I don't think they can have an enormous amount of complaints, really. I think it would probably be just about a fair result between two very fallible, very vulnerable, but rather likeable cricket teams. And, and, and then for both teams to reflect on the summer, you'd think that's almost... You, they'd be happy with that. Well, England win the World Cup. They lose the... You know, I mean, they didn't have the earn, but they... You know, two-two in the Ashes. That's that's not too bad. And for Australia, the Ashes was their aim. They got to the semi-finals of the World Cup, which was just a bit of a bonus. So, it, it kind of works out for everyone. They might as well just shake hands now, to be honest. You're, you're, you're absolutely bang on. Uh, I think both teams will quietly walk away with a two-two, thinking, "Okay, no, we'll take that. We'll take that." It's been interesting because Joe Harmon and me are trying to put together the last bits of the magazine, and we're trying to work out what the right tone is for for the England summer. And it's hard to pinpoint really. Uh, is is three one a 
tear up the rule book and start again kind of result? Is 2-2 a cautiously positive result? Or is, or, or is any any inability or any any result where you haven't regained the ashes on home soil where you haven't lost here in 18 years is any any eventuality where you don't do that automatically a failure so it's a hard thing to 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 absolutely nail down and again you can't avoid what happened uh on july the 8th uh, at lords you can't you can't avoid that that casts a huge shadow over what what's happened since i mean arguably it might not have been the smartest move to have had an Ashes about seven minutes after a World Cup final win, but yeah, hey-ho. I don't want to go down that boring rabbit hole of administration. I think, as you rightly say, they'll shake hands on this, on this uh, summer and say, OK, we've all got our piece of flesh from it. Yeah, and, and, and like you said, rightly, they, they look tired. Well, you know, I'm tired too. Phil, you're <laughs> tired. I'm doing fine, thank you very much. I mean, I'm just trying to call it a day now. <laughs> Uh, well, that's that's it from us, folks. Um, of course, we don't just talk about cricket here. We write about cricket too uh, every day on wisdom.com and every month in the shape of Wisdom Cricket Monthly. Uh, if you fancy giving the magazine a go, you can get your first three copies, print or digital, for just £3. And if it is outstanding. It I mean, is, it's yeah. worth pointing that out <laughs> at this, at, right at this point. And the, the upcoming issue will be the 10 stories of the ashes, the good, the good, the bad and the ugly. It'll be well worth your time. Yeah, cheers, cheers for interrupting that offer there. Uh, in <laughs> fact, we'll only charge you £2.99 if you go paperless uh, to subscribe to the print version and get your first three copies for just £3. Go to wisdomsubs.com and use the offer code, all in caps, WCM3FOR319 to subscribe to the digital version and get your first three copies for just £2.99 go to pgatmags.com slash wcmpod. This, this advert really trips off the tongue, doesn't it? It's really, <laughs> really punchy. Uh, as ever, subscribe to the Wisdom Cricket we- Weekly podcast, uh, Spotify, ACAS, the podcast app, all of that. Uh, cheers, Phil. <laughs> Pleasure. <laughs>